Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the FXR Racing Race Tech Suspension Privateer Island Life number 150. So we've reached a milestone. Thank you to FXR Racing. Of course, uh, Filthy Phil Nicoletti, Cody Shaw, Carson Mumford, many other guys using FXR Racing. Pulpamex 30 is the code to save with those guys. Designed by racers for racers. Their 2021 line uh, looks really, really good. And um, the man on the phone here knows all about that. So please use the code. Save some money with the folks at FXR Racing. And speaking of Racetech, uh, this man on the line also has a long relationship with Racetech. Pulp 21 to save at Racetech. Give your bike some love, whether it's motor work, whether it's suspension work, whether you're rebuilding your suspension. Uh, if you haven't changed your bushings and seals in a long time, send it to guys at Racetech. Tell them uh, you listen to Pulp MX and they will give you a discount. So uh, Springs as well. They have CNC porting uh, available for, for dealerships and things like that. So Racetech.com for more information. I want to thank the folks at Roost MX, Namira Pistons, Maxxis Tires, and Firepower uh, Oils, Chains, and Batteries as well for coming on this podcast. Let's welcome in the FXR Racing Chaparral Honda team owner, Michael Lindsay. What's up, ML? How are you? Ah, decent. Kind of glad to finally have the, I don't know, I guess you can actually call it a weekend off because nothing off-season sure felt like it and the residencies of, I don't know, I liked them at first. I'm starting to like them a little bit less, so I'm glad to be home for the weekend. Right. Well, why you say you like them a little bit less? What uh, what's a, what about them? I don't know. They're, I guess the bonus is you get the week, like real weekends off like this, and yep. then the negative is, man, sometimes I just feel like, twiddling thumbs you do emails you race reports you do a few things and the first like you know the first or second race with the two days in between isn't mm-hmm. bad the one with the three days in between dude i get too bored yeah <laughs> too antsy just sitting around like okay we've done all the bike work okay then a bunch of emails and phone calls the last day you're just kind of sitting there like <laughs> you need to go do something i don't know they're, they're getting bad i'm, I'm kind of i've had a few people bring it up and i'm still kind of curious to see if if for any reason we would uh, end up doing these after this year or not, I'm, I'm kind of curious to see what I think, happens. I think we do because they can get more than 17 in. They can uh, probably save oh, some God, money. Don't say those words. Don't say the uh, words. I'm telling you. 17. I'm telling you. Oh, no. Uh, I, I was glad that we, that talk had stopped like a year or two ago. Right. Uh, I would not be surprised to see them back um, in some way and adding to the series and they're not going to give the teams and riders more weekends off. They are just going to jam more races down everybody's throat, I feel. Um, uh, yeah, let's so, just grind everybody to death. Yep, no, absolutely. Um, one of the things I talked to you about the last time we did this, or maybe it was on the Pulp Show or one of these uh, Privateer Island podcasts, is you thought the costs for a team owner would be about the same as opposed to flying back and forth and everything else. Uh, do we have a Do we have a definitive sort of uh, accounting of that like are these more expensive or less expensive uh, it's been a little bit cheaper um you end up catching up i mean because of the days the amount of days you're there um your lodging costs you really don't you don't save anything versus a normal season if not you could almost say around some rounds might cost you a tick more um you definitely gain a little bit back on not flying all the time so you know, I, this year it's kind of a weird wash because normally West Coast, being a West Coast-based team, we wouldn't even fly to that many to begin with. Mm-hmm. But I guess if you were considering as an East Coast-based team, yeah, you save a little bit on flights. And then about the weird thing I noticed, it's, it's kind of, it, it actually came up as really shocking to me is, uh, you know, this is our, we'll be doing Supercross and Outdoors this year. So we experienced a weird one is our series started second. Mm-hmm. Um, it's pretty jam-packed at the beginning. So... When we came back from Florida and the guys, you know, when we came back from Daytona, 
guys rode Supercross that week. We get ready to leave for Arlington. I start doing kind of the next couple weeks in my head of what's, you know, what exactly we're doing. I start to realize the guys are barely going to ride Supercross anymore. We've just done the second race of our coast. Mm -hmm. We're about to leave for Texas. And I actually could figure out that, you know, depending on what the guys want to do, by the end of the season, they might only ride their Supercross practice bikes three to four more times, and that was it. Because we're in Texas for the full week. We come back. We now have this, yep. you know, almost three weeks in between. Yep. It's time to do some outdoor. outdoor testing, get outdoors. So it's like, okay, we're only going to ride one or two days of Supercross before we go to Atlanta and race three times. And then we're going to come back. We're going to be on outdoors for probably another week. And then maybe hit one or two days of Supercross for Salt, for Salt Lake. Salt Lake. Supercross bikes are done. Yeah. So it's weird to Good be point. around yeah. two yep. of Supercross and be like, wow. <laughs> the guys are literally only going to ride their Supercross bikes. I can count it on one hand. Yeah. Yeah, that, that um, is so, crazy, yeah, when you think about it, yeah. So there's also a little bit of reduced cost, I guess you could say, with the week-long week, the week -long races is it trims the guys don't we don't bother to really ride during the week. Mm -hmm. You know, it's kind of, of – a couple guys have done it where they'll ride the race bikes, but it's kind of a hassle. Um, Texas worked out okay. I know, of course, Indy was too cold. Nobody did there. I'm sure when we're in Atlanta, nobody's going to really try it. Um, so there is a little bit of reduced cost right. when the guys are kind of stranded for a week and they don't ride, but – um, that was the weirdest thing that caught me off guard with our coast was the fact that the guys were, wow, like we yeah. were, I was going over engine intervals and that's what got me. I'm like, yeah. wow, we don't have to take apart another practice engine yet. We barely started our supercross race season. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. I never really thought of that either. Um, were your guys able to get out somewhere in, uh, in, in Dallas around a ride? Or nah, no, we didn't bother. I asked the guys both they wanted to. They didn't really seem concerned with it. Right. Our other thought was just like it was really windy the whole time we were in Dallas. Mm -hmm. I know, know a couple guys went to Master Pools one day and they said it was just super sketchy. And that was kind of our thought of like, man, right. last thing we want to do is get hurt while we're in Texas riding, you know, mm -hmm. track. What if we weed up a race bike? We got to run a bunch of stuff through. Um, yeah, it was just, then, I don't know. The, the, the negatives seemed to heavily outweigh the positives from what we could figure. Now, when. At some point in this season, I think it was after Orlando or maybe it was after Daytona, you drove back to California for a few days and then flew back out? Well, no. So we uh, we flew to the Orlando opener. Yeah. Uh, we got back and the guys wanted, you know, we kind of wanted to give the guys the best run we could for Daytona. Being a West Coast-based team, you know, we don't, none of our guys stay. So to do a Daytona prep week, we needed to get their practice bikes to Florida because we didn't want to put extra time on the race bikes. So the front, you know, we had two week, mm -hmm. a weekend off in yeah. between. The Friday of the weekend off, I loaded up Sprinter Van and I drove basically 36 hours almost straight through. <laughs> I think I slept for two hours somewhere around Pensacola at one point. Yeah. Drove through, got the bikes there. We rode at Rattrays that week. Um, the downside with that is, wow, we have to go to Texas next week. So as soon as the race was done on Saturday night, uh, we moved the truck over to the to the next lot for the guys to do the build day next day. Mm -hmm. And I left about midnight with the practice bikes and some engines that need to be serviced and suspension back in the van. So it was like, well, if I'm driving anyways, yep. at least I can save, you know, a couple thousand dollars in overnighting parts. Yep. So, okay, yep. just load up the van and then drove straight back to California. Dude. California for two days, turn around, took all the stuff we serviced and drove straight to Texas. So I had a vehicle <laughs> to drive in Texas. Did Texas all week. As soon as we were done, next morning, got the truck locked up at Snacks Lockyard and turned around, drove straight back to California. Damn. Damn. So yeah. actually, I, I did in the in the span of two weeks, I did more driving than the, the truck drivers have been doing. <laughs> That's crazy. But yeah, I mean, it, it is, you know, it's two days and, and um, yeah, you know what I mean? Like, like you, yeah. It saves you all that money, and it's two days of driving and, and whatever, right? So I, I I can see yeah. it, you know? Yeah, that's a scary one. Shipping costs, like when you yep. start 
having to overnight stuff back and forth, that, that starts eating up cash pretty quick. You're like, oh, they're, I, you know, we didn't have it too bad. I heard another team that was parked near us commenting about going into the, I can't remember if it was the Dallas week, and they said between suspension and engines that week, they had spent $5,500 in shipping. Thing. Yep. Yeah, I can believe it. <laughs> um, by the way, uh, speaking of, of um, shipping, the guys at Firepower uh, really doing a good job with their, their support of the teams. This year, I heard from a couple teams about how good the product is and how good they've got it to you. Firepowerparts.com. Please check those guys out, whether it's A-Ray or Chiz, Gopher Dunes Honda. Are you using anything Firepower? No, you're not, right? No, we're we're competitors' product. Uh, Firepowerparts.com. Please check those guys out. They got some really cool stuff going on. Whether it's chains made in Japan, Featherlight lithium batteries, or oil that uh, is made by a leading manufacturer, they can dial you in. Firepowerparts.com on the FXR Racing Race Tech Suspension Privateer Island Podcast. Um, so when we did one of these last year, or when you came into studio, you know, it's your second year team now. Last year, you were just like you know, fuck my life. What am I doing? It was a constant, you know, battle for you to stay up ahead of everything. Uh, how are we doing, Lindsay? How, how are we doing with our, with our mental health these days? Uh, I wish I could say the mental health was better. <laughs> <laughs> it just, it's, it's, uh, I guess the easiest way I can describe it is I think it's the same adage as somebody racing or I, I would say cycling or anybody's good, you know, does something, you know, to compare, what you're going through mentally is the same as if you're doing something athletic. Mm -hmm. It doesn't get easier. You just get faster or you could say, you know, the level better. of everything you're doing gets yeah. better, but the stress levels do not go down whatsoever. It's been, you know, we've got more people helping. I'm no longer servicing engines at midnight and stupid crap like that. I've got yep. two fantastic uh, mechanics and other staff that helps out. We have great motor guys, bunch of guys stuff. Uh, so that's great. It's just, logistics and stealing sponsors and just still helping out with little right. stuff a lot of running around and yeah it doesn't seem to cease it's <laughs> it's still a lot it's well, crazy to think like you know it's a, it's only a two-man team but at the level we're doing it this year is a lot a lot more goes into it um i i will say it makes me mind blown that star can run six and seven dudes because <laughs> thinking about adding a third guy alone makes me want to pull my hair out right so i don't know how they handle seven Man, I thought you were going to tell me it's a, it's a little easier. You kind of been through it. You got a few extra tricks that you've learned, but no, no, not at all. It's as, it's as crazy as ever. No, certain certain things got easier. A lot of them are bigger headaches. Right, just more more stuff to organize, more stuff to deal with, and just I guess it would be you know we I want to say I mean we did it for the best of our environment, but a little shot in the foot. Like we changed over enough stuff on the program. There was a good amount of stuff that didn't carry over get reused so there was a bit of a scramble there the COVID environment is still made parts supply really tough it's finally getting pretty normal but there are still times where you're just you're you're jumping through hoops to figure out how to get something from point a to point b that should have been there already yeah. just because of the situation so it sucks you're just constantly kind of clawing and stuff right now it's it's if everything was normal and everything hit preseason when it should have, right. um, it would be a little less stressful. But I think that's part of what's making this year tough is still the the sacrifices that everybody has to make to kind of keep the ball rolling at times. Can we blame Brad or Andy at FXR? I mean, can we blame some of them? Nah, okay, Brad right. kills it. Okay, we've right. got all of our gear. A lot of red, wine, blue this year. Contrary to popular belief, I've had some people who thought we've been wearing the same gear. They have three different jerseys on the one colorway. I think uh, I'm very disappointed. There's no lit kit this year. 
I don't even know if Kiefer still does best dress or whatever, but I thought we killed it on the bike and the gear and everything, and I, we don't get nothing. No, uh, no yeah. boards, no, no, nothing. Yeah, some of the stuff's been looked really good for sure. Uh, the FXR stuff that you've been wearing, I, I like it. It just looks good on a Honda, right? Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, the, I don't know if he's doing best dress. Nobody cared about that, anyways. But we, we, yeah, we put it, we put an end to the late kid award. We just thought it, you know, it'd been three years, and kind of people didn't care anymore that much about it. So we just we figured it was over. Uh, maybe we'll bring it back though. Um, well, I'd like to blame those guys for XR if we could, but uh, oh well, I guess not. Um, so lots of lots of off season stuff. Uh, Geico goes away. Uh, there's a big rush. Yourself, Phoenix Honda, uh, Moto Concepts. Uh, different Honda teams trying to figure out: Do we? What do we want to do? Who do we get? What are you Honda? What does Honda want to do? Do we get more support? Do we? Can we have this guy? Can we? You know, like lots of jockeying between everybody to try to figure out what they want to do. Uh, at the end of the day, you know, you ended up with Carson Mumford, who was certainly uh, one of their uh, highly touted kids. Schmoder goes to Mitch's team. Um, you know, some of the Geico guys end up over at uh, at Phoenix. Um, you end up with Pedro. Uh, J-Mart's old guy. Um, that must have been a pretty crazy time there for a couple of months once the news came that Geico was going out. And and did you have a chance, Michael, to be like, no, I don't really want to step up like that. Like, I'm happy with my guys that I had. I'm happy with my level that I'm at right now. Or did it make it, did Honda slash sponsors make it worth your while to do that? Um, I pushed. I mean, we could have done whatever we wanted. It's a private program. Ultimately, at the end of the day, like our partners, including Honda, really great. They're like, hey, whatever you want to do, you want to do. It's cool with us as long as it makes sense. And, um, you know, there was this probably my wildest dreams try to push. Like I say, even though it's down to two, we did only two guys this year. I think anybody can clearly see how much more we put into the program. Um, I probably wouldn't have tried to jump. This would have been you know, in the grand scheme of things, the, the amount of people we, you know, the quality of people mm-hmm. we have on staff and the money we spend is probably a year three or four thing. Right. But, you know, when opportunity knocks, like I said, with the, the sad end to the, uh, the FCR organization, it was like, okay, you know, Honda's going to take two guys in-house, um, but there's, there's still going to be kind of this open window of, like, who's going to be that mm-hmm. next program to take up the mantle and try to build and become that partner. And I was like, okay, well, I know – you know, the 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 Muckoff group and Phoenix, nobody else really wanted to race outdoors. Yep. So I was like, we we're the only ones that were kind of like, and even I gotta say, it is as much as I, I'm a, a grown up, brief sleep the sport. Doing outdoors is really daunting. Just it's yeah. such a grind and yeah. it's such a headache. It's such a logistical nightmare. It's it's everything. Yes, it's the great outdoors. I'm excited we're gonna do it, but at the same time, like slightly dreading it. And that was honestly, of all the things we were working on this offseason, that was the thing that was the most daunting was going all year. Yeah. It wasn't as much some of the other jumps we were doing. It yep. was the committing to racing all year thing that was really, really tough to, to have to pull the trigger on. Right, right. Yeah, and cost-wise cost like, and work-wise, everything. Work-wise, cost-wise, yep. like you can still have somewhat of a normal life. If you don't do outdoors, you can mm-hmm. kind of have a little bit of a time reset. So, I mean, that's why I say year three or four, regardless of how many people are on the team or something, I didn't think we'd race outdoors so seriously. So, um, like I said, though, when Opportunity knocks, it's like a, mm-hmm. I kind of looked back at the situation. It's like, okay, I'm pretty young. It's pretty unique. I have the situation to even be able to do this team. This is, you know, how often is there an opening for, you know, with an OEM to do something like this? It's yeah. pretty rare. Most programs stick around a pretty long time. In case like Mitch, a lot of them are pretty much there still. 
it's never changed. So it was like, well, we might as well take a swing at it. It's, you know, it's, if we don't now, it'll probably never arise. The opportunity will never arise again. Right. Um, yeah, it's a good point, right? And if you tell them no, then maybe they, 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 you know, a door closes for you down the road because you've told them no at this point or, you know, yeah, you got to take it, you know, like, yeah, like you said, I've made business decisions where I'm like, I don't know if I can really afford that, but I make the decision, I make the leap and I do it. And the next thing you know, I can't afford it. And it's really helped me out. You know what I mean? You, you yeah. figure it out, right? You just figure it out. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of thing. If you force your hand, even yeah. if you're on the teeter, it's like, if you force it, it's like you pretty much, it's do or die, sink or swim. It's like, okay, well, now I'm fully committed. <laughs> we'll make it happen. We'll figure it out. We'll yeah. put all the right people involved and we will make, make this go. Right. So for yourself now with Mumford and shock, and we'll talk about them in a second, uh, here on the FXR Racing Race Tech Suspension Privateer Island. You're by the way, you're show number one fifty, Michael. You're 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 a milestone show. Love here. it. Um, uh, how much input does I mean? Before we recorded here, you told me how you had to do some race reports for Honda. How much is Honda involved in the program? Obviously, Brandon Wilson and everybody down there. They got Jet, they got Hunter, and they got they're they're, they're wide open. How much interaction? With American Honda, do you have, do they care about, how much do you have to run by them, that kind of stuff, now that you're at the level you're at? Um, I think the bright side is, like, technical partner-wise. They are super confident in everybody we work with. I mean, we have a lot, we have a good amount of similar crossover brands to either HRC itself or HRC in Europe, stuff that Honda's aware of, what the components are, what they're going to do. So from there, we've never, you know, that ends good. We don't have any sort of conversation like that um if we have tech questions anything related to you know what we could do or what we could try or you know any recommendations they're super open with um converse with keo a lot just stuff like test track what their plans are you know their thoughts on testing schedules or how they've gone about stuff a lot of times i just have a ask them like i said eric i'll ask him questions like hey how have you done this before how have you dealt with this before um, and then, like I said, Brian Wilson, Joe's our main corners and just deal with them weekly, just updates. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of just talk of like, hey, here's what's going on. You know, just involved with them every day, like what the guys are going through, what we're seeing, what, um, yeah, like I say, everything from how the riders are handling everything right now to what we are doing to our bikes. I do, you know, we do tech reports. We keep them pretty in the loop on how our days play out, what we try, what we don't try, you know, things yep. like that. Right. Um, but um, yep. no, no, like in the grand scheme of things, like very little, very little, they have very little interaction in the sense of telling us what to do. They let us, they let us run our ship. They don't, as long as we don't do anything, right? You know, to affect the on image. I think one of the biggest comments we get, of course, is they're like, just, you know, we, we want to see competitive equipment, but we don't want to see bikes pushed off the track. So that's a huge one. Is you know, we mm-hmm. we do everything we can to put the best stuff we can out there, but at the same time, we're very aware of like hey finishing races is important points we don't want anything negative against us so we uh we that was part of the people we hired and everything we went with is hey we're gonna do everything we can this year to not mm-hmm. have a single technical yeah um, issue yeah absolutely it's, it's a good thing so um how open are they with you with hunter and jets bikes and and if they are open and you kind of know what they're doing what they're using how close are yours? Do you think? Obviously, they're not this, they're not as good. There's nothing like a budget of a factory team or technology of a of an OEM. But you know, you guys are are, are certainly trying. So how how close is it? And, and how much do you know about their bikes, their factory bikes? Um, I would say I if I absolutely wanted to, we could run quite the same uh, equipment as them because I do know who a lot of the suppliers are, mm-hmm. what the component is. 
there are certain items, if we wanted them, we could petition to buy them, but they're pretty out of our, our budget range right. um, on certain components in the bike they use. Um, but for the most part, our our package, however, we almost share nothing with HRC. Um, mm-hmm. Chad at XPR builds all of our stuff. He's been doing the MCR guys for eight, right. nine years now, really good with race rotation. Um, you know, we went with him because, honestly, I had, you know, uh, Kiefer's rode one of our bikes before. Carson has has rode the Geico bike. And then there's another, I guess I could call it unnamed person that's rode a Geico bike that I can't comment on that tested ours. And um, they basically told me that we, you know, in a, in a blunt term, we weren't lacking in anything. If not, there were certain things about the character that were better. There were certain places where one was better than the other, but we were competitive. So we had no, no qualms or reasons to be, you know, being yep. too, if, if we had questions, they're usually really open about it, mm-hmm. but at the same time, we don't bug them too much because kind of like, hey, we have a different direction, so some of the stuff they run wouldn't even apply yeah. to what we're doing. It, You could ask, you could try it, but it would just get you lost. Like, we're <laughs> confident with what we have. We don't need to waste too much of our time and their time fishing around. If we already know, it's kind of like, hey, we're just going to go down a rabbit hole yep. um, uh, in that situation. And then, I think like 1350, there isn't anything like the HRC bikes, don't get me wrong or trick, but like we kind of, everybody sees what they do, you know, works times, what parts they run there are special. Um, we're on a different suspension componentry through KYB with Ross and end zone stuff. So um, like I said, they're pretty open, but at the same time, we don't ask too much because there isn't a lot of crossover yep. um, between the components we use. There is some basic info we can get from them on chassis balance, different stuff they've done, but I mean, we're on different tires, everything, so. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, since 2001, Namira has been supplying factory-level pistons and gaskets for every make and model. From two wheels to four, from weekend warriors to top athletes, Namira's advanced piston tech has increased engine performance and reliability without increasing your budget. Follow them on Instagram or, or visit them online at namira.com. We are giving away a Namira Pistons Top End Kit, everybody, so thanks to those guys for coming on board. All you got to do is email contest at pulpamexshow.com. And tell us your year, make, and model of bike that you have that you want a two-stroke or four-stroke top-end kit for from the Mirror Pistons. So thanks to those guys. Contest at pulpamexshow.com. And uh, tell us what you got for a bike, and uh, we will select one lucky listener to win a top-end kit from the folks at Namira. So thanks to those guys for coming on board. RoostMX as well. Pulp Nation code saves you money at RoostMX, whether it's Troll Trains graphics, whether it's the old Cycle Trader team for years and years. They've got a whole custom uh, set of um, uh, graphics available for you. You just got to tell them what logos you want and everything else, and they can do it. Quick 48-hour turnaround. Their official Cobra merch as well, uh, whether it's backpacks or, or team shirts or Anything that Chris and Christina down there at RoostMX can dial you in. Pulp Nation saves you at RoostMX.net. Uh, thanks to those guys for coming on board. Um, hey, Troll Whisper, I need a troll update. What's what's the latest? Uh, yeah, I think we'll be good. I think we'll be good for Atlanta, I hope. It's been a rough year for us. You know, we got ran over. Our corpse got ran over by McAdoo. So um, it's been rough for for ourselves. Uh, speaking of rough, uh, Carson Mumford, uh, a guy I like. I really like Mumford. Uh, good dude. Just had his best result of the year at Dallas 3, so that's a positive uptick. Uh, he hasn't made a couple of mains. The other ones that he's made, he hasn't been impressive. What's been going on, Michael? What uh, Talk to us a little bit about Carson and uh, and the issues he's had and uh, how he's kind of you know underperformed. Um. It's definitely been a strange one because, you know, you always hear preseason, like, oh, this dude's flying at the test track or this guy's ripping. And, I mean, I'd be guilty of saying it. We said with Carson because 
who we would ride with during the week. He'd ride with J-Mart once a week and stuff. We saw what he was capable of, and it's like, hey, like, he's riding with dudes that are top five, matching them, have it, should be a good year. But, of course, mm-hmm. it's still a rookie season. You never know what could happen. Um, Carson did have a pretty big crash the only a few days before we left for the first race. Um, you know, in retrospective, uh, pretty sure he had a, a concussion from it, and it's taken him a... Right. Quite a few rounds, I think, to get normal. Franny finally told us, you know, when we got to Texas was the first time he didn't feel like he was in a fog for a while. Okay. Um, and I think it just sucked. It was bad timing between that happening, showing up the first round, not, you know, with the headspace not clear because of that. And mm-hmm. then just his first round, like anything that could go wrong, could go wrong, landed on like 10 tough blocks in one session. <laughs> yeah. Gets cleaned down first corners, just demolished in his heat race. And it just like I said, just mentally demoed him, goes out at Daytona, gets cleaned out the first corner of practice, gets cleaned again off the start the next one. It was just like, you feel like, you feel like it's just like everything that right. could almost go wrong kept going wrong to him. Welcome to Supercross, I, Mumford. <laughs> exactly. It's just like the worst rude awakening anybody could ever, you know, a rookie could ever go through for experience and just talk about a mental beatdown. Um, I think he had, you know, a lot of expectations on himself, and I think it's mm-hmm. it's weighed on him pretty heavily. So, like I said, we see him during the week. He, he can bounce back. The speed's there. I just think a lot of it was him just after, as, as everything just kind of hit him all at once, the first two rounds is just kind of letting him get gathered back up. Um, there have been some big changes in his program. Actually, I, he just started working with somebody uh, somebody new this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mil- Millsaps has uh, been hanging around. Oh, okay. Um, Davies working with him. So yep. I think that's going to be really big for him. I like what, what Davies got in mind um, for him. I, like I said, it, Carson has all the tools. He has the ability. He has the skill. He knows he is. It's just, it's, it's just been a terrible run of luck for him. And I think he's going to, he definitely will get it all. I'm 100% confident he'll get turned around, have a good end of the Supercross season. Um, I just feel for him that it's, he's had to go through this. Um, hopefully at the end of the day, though, um, I feel like just this is just my opinion from talking to him, not that the kid didn't want it before, but I think, you know, uh, you could say that it, it's given him that that really broad perspective of like, man, I want to put everything into this because he, you know, we had a conversation where you know, he's aware it's like, hey, this sucks with rookies like this people mm-hmm. can ride them off so quick and it's what's been hard to see you know i'm sure you would agree with me the last five six years of this sport is all these amateurs that have been signed and phenoms getting brought up and just getting if if the supercross rookie season doesn't go good even if their outdoor season comes around it's just like nope ride them off they're done like there's just been so so many of them i feel like that's gone through that and it sucks because they they have the talent mm-hmm. they have the ability it's just it's a little cutthroat at times. <laughs> yeah, he, he looks good still. Like He's got good form. He looks good on a bike, but I thought he yeah. looked tired in some of those main events that he was in. Uh, maybe a concussion is part of the reason why, you know, once you start getting your heart rate up or whatever. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, an encouraging note, he's 12th. He got 12th, I think, at Dallas 3. Um, that's a, that's a, something you can build on because he, yeah, he never got tired. He never really, you know, he never got caught late in the yeah. race, and he looked okay. Nope. Yeah, he went forward from where he started. It was only a few spots, but he that was his first time being able to put a main together. Like, it's yeah. somewhere to start. You know, he's definitely, don't get me wrong, doesn't come off, isn't, you know, throwing a party so excited about, but it was definitely, you could see it just lifted. Mm-hmm. Lifted the monkey off the back, like, oh, my God, I can put together a race. Like, it's just somewhere to build from. And I think his heat race showed a lot more. Of course, he ran fourth in the heat for uh, quite a bit, and um, and a fifth right there at the end. The heat race showed, like, hey, you know, yeah. based on speed, he's, capable of being top 10 
Um, so, yeah, do you, it's it's been, you know what? Well, 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 you know the old Mitch Payton would really yell at Carson now. The Tyler Keith, I think, would be harsh with with Carson now. What kind of guy are you with him? I mean, your whole program is based around him. He was the star. We'll talk about shock in a second, uh, but he was the guy, you know, on your program. And let's face it, like you can't not make mains if you're Carson Mumford and you're uh, Chaparral FXR Honda. Um, what what kind of what do you say to him, Michael? I mean, as a media guy, you've judged guys like that. Um, as a as a racer yourself, you you know what it's like. Uh, but then now you're the team owner and. You know, some guys respond to a kick in the ass and some guys don't. Uh, how do you do, deal with it? Um, I think it depends on the situation. Carson's really hard on himself naturally. Okay. Like you can tell. I mean, because he's got a lot of expectations, I think, going into it. He's got a lot of, of course, other racers. He, a lot of the other top guys he's grown up with, trained with, Craig Sexton. He's got a lot of those guys that have seen him ride, that expect it from him, that he expects himself to do well. He's got a huge following, so he's got a lot of people, you know, in his ear telling him what he can do because he's, he's capable of it. So, I mean, he's already hard enough on himself. Um, he's got some people around him that have those expectations as well. So I think he's got enough weight on him. Nobody in our direct, like for me under the truck, yep. I don't, nothing gets raised in voice or sense or anything. Just mm-hmm. try to support him and, and help pick him up and just help him with what he needs because I, like I said, it'd be one thing if you think the, the guy isn't working hard enough or yeah. you, you can see a lapse in, but kind of knowing what happened to him going into the first round, just seeing how, being that I'm, you know, not just watching everybody practice and watching my two guys. Right. So I see just the things that happen to him and just like, just the curveballs that keep getting thrown at him. So it's like, man, it's, you get, yes, you get frustrated, but mm-hmm. not as much. You get frustrated at the situation because you're like, you know how they can perform, but you see everything that's being thrown at him and you don't. I would get frustrated, but not at him, but for everything that's being tossed him and just right. how it would play out. And right. It's like, man, you know, they've done this. They should, they just, they should do better, and they, in a sense, deserve to do better. But it still needs to be turned around. So, no, we keep it pretty well. And I, I joke because we have some guys on our programs that have been at other big teams, and I've kind of made a comment. I'm like, hey, so, <laughs> what, what would happen right now if if this was still at such and such as team? And yeah, most of it's like. Oh, that guy either would be getting screamed out, or they would be like they're dead to him, and he would just be sitting in the corner, and nobody carry exists. Yeah, Which, we we've certainly so made the I've starry Yamaha jokes with Fry and Thrasher. We've made plenty of those on our shows. Oh yeah, yeah. like Bobby's telling them probably because I mean we all heard the KP thing, and I you know um, the Phoenix guys and us are really close, and I love KP, and I made I've talked to him about that thing where he basically said yeah the first first Supercross race when Bobby came up and goes. Mm-hmm. Boy, you may you may be working your your dad's car a lot sooner than you think. I know, right? You're just like, God, dude. Um, I had somebody tell me, oh, Mumford, Mumford should do less social media and more training. And I'm always like, stop it. Like, and it's the same thing I said with eight with AC with his vlogs. Like, this is stuff is really cool. It takes um an hour out of their day. Uh, they're riding for three hours. You know, yeah, yeah, stop. And in like Carson's case, um, his buddy that does almost all his vlogs is a race dweller. I love a kid to death. He's Beyond mellow, he's just kind of a skater vibe BMX mo kid. But you know, I almost think in the sense he's good for him because he's he's got enough people to pressure him. I think he keeps it light. I you know because I had one stupid question. Oh, you know, I think the vlog needs end. I'm like, dude, if you knew the kind of like the way him and his buddy work, I'm like, I almost think his buddy's like good to have there for. Him. I think it helps line up some right. of the situation. And then, you know, he's not editing himself. So, I, but I think it also shows like, hey, this is one of the top kids. This is how gnarly Supercross is. It's still I, I try to explain it to people 
more outside our sport. It's like, hey, so imagine you grew up playing softball your whole life. Like you're going to be a professional softball player. And then the year you turn pro, they look and go, hey, you got to play baseball as well in three months. Good luck. <laughs> it's the same, but yeah. it's not, you know. Yeah. It, it, same, same, but different. Yeah, yeah, um, really right. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we, we've seen it. Like some kids, like, I mean, Seth Hammaker's had um, an amazing debut, and I'm super stoked for that kid. I don't know him. I've just seen, you know, like a lot of people have from the outside of, hey, that kid came in. Um, killed it Monster Cup a few years ago, put himself on the radar, got a team green deal, had some good races. Everybody, you know, knew he got a PC, uh, like a year deal there. And then he's been a year and a half, almost two years of injuries off the radar. Probably, you know, I would, I'm guilty of thinking of it coming into his, his year. It's like, man, this kid's been off the radar. He's been gone. He's probably going to get one shot at this and he's done. Like, it, this could go horribly sideways. And, you know, he's ran with it and it works for some. And then we've seen like, Carson and Fry have struggled a little bit more. Thrasher getting it together. I'd argue, like I said, Carson, probably the whole groups had had their their tough time at it. Um, you know, and it could be one other thing. It could be the concussion. You could say, oh well, if we were to race the other coast, no offense to the other coast, like okay, these guys yeah. being the top ten, no problem. The yep. confidence would be high. It's it's the school of hard knocks. It's all you know, if and or buts. But it's the situation they got handed and. Mm-hmm. Do you when when somebody like Carson struggles? Do you hear it from FXR, Chaparral, Honda, uh, your bigger guys? Are they call? I mean, because you have to do reports or you need product. Are they? I mean, obviously you're friends with all these people, and you know everybody knows you for a long time. But are they sort of like, hey man, like what the hell's going on? Um, yeah, no, not really. Because I no. think you know, I think the team this year is taking a huge step, even in our our look, our marketing, how how much media play we've gone. So we still have some really good aspects going. Most of the people that support us, um, you know, yes, bringing on, going full Supercross and Outdoors this year, bringing on Carson Broad and some extra room support, mm-hmm. but I don't mean this in vain. A lot of people that support the program support them because of my relationship with them, right. because of my past job, because of, so a lot of them I have a much closer relationship with, so they'll ask questions like, hey, what happened? I'll explain, like, okay, right. right. You know, nobody comes, nobody comes as threatening, like, oh, you know, we're going to cut support because you guys are just not. Yep. Performing. It's, you know, we didn't oversell anybody going into it, too. I was very realistic going into it because crap happens. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Once again, no, absolutely. rookies are younger. It's, it's no, nothing's guaranteed. If we, you know, if things were guaranteed, we wouldn't even line up in the first place, would we? Well, on the good news, uh, Cody Shockman, who really kind of, I mean, we've always seen him. He's had outdoor speed for a long time. You supported Cody last year. Uh, Supercross skills at Salt Lake City. He got into one main, but he was also very exciting in uh, other attempts to uh, get through the whoops. Time and time again, uh, this kid's figured it out. He was—he's uh, had to go to some LCQs. He still made it work. Uh, he's been very, very impressive. Um, uh, talk about that a little bit. You got to be stoked. I'm beyond stoked for the kid. One one thing I do want to—I guess, like in this sense—touch on because it's—it's come up in this interview. It's come up in a couple hours. I've had people come to me and go, "Oh, your program's built around Carson." I do get tiffed when I hear that because mm-hmm. everything that we're running on our bikes, we pretty much would have ran. You know what we did. In sense of equipment, everything I would have done, whether Carson was here or not, Cody was always planned to be racing for us this year. Again. Mm-hmm. Um, so, in a sense of like, yes, we we took some liberties and got some extra support with Carson coming on board. At the same time, though, like if it was Carson or not, like Cody would be getting this kind of help, and I would be helping somebody else. So, just like I said, right. that comes up sometimes. Um, for Cody, though, like kids from Delaware. Uh, yeah. Never lived in any training facility. Has never went to high school. Has a college degree in CAD design. 
Um, pretty much went to Loretta's bunch as a kid. It was the one bigger race year they would do a year. He didn't do many of all the other stuff. Usually went with one bike. Mm-hmm. Couple good results, blow up a bike. So like <laughs> on the radar, he's raced with uh, Justin Cooper and Hartframp's kind of his his graduating class, I guess mm-hmm. you could say. Um, but the kids never had the you know the big support behind him. And at the same time, I think his parents were you know they did all they could, but they were fairly I want to say realistic. They never went overly deep. Um, so it's kind of funny talking to him. He's a huge fan of the sport, of course, grew up in it, but didn't grow up reading Racer X or Vital or so. Yeah, like yeah, sometimes yeah. you ask him even early two thousands moto trivia and he's like, who <laughs> doesn't watch the races? Like he's in it. Cause he loves racing. Yeah. Like a uh, huge amount of talent, uh, good work ethic. Just, I think the biggest thing for him was going to shear is he's never had something really consistent around him, whether that's the bike itself, mm-hmm. the people helping him, a consistent ability to ride, train and put together a program. Um, so like I said, cause he's never had that. That's, the number one focus. So one of the biggest like liberties I took before this, when we start playing this year is like, okay, want to get him a full-time, you know, last year we had just mechanics on race weekends. Okay. Who's our first full-time guy. Uh, we hired Tony Archer, um, who was at the time leading the TLD team uh, with them downsizing riders mm-hmm. and Tony from Maryland. Like those two are close, like really close. They, um, Cody's grown up around him. So, I mean, it was the perfect guy to put with Tony's been there, done as a pro has been, you know, fairly successful. I would say, yeah. arguably, like, right around where Cody is right now is kind of where Tony's career was. True, yeah. And he's super disciplined, and he just, you know, the kid trusts him with, he, he trusts Tony with all his heart. So it's pretty much, Tony's his, he lives with Tony. Tony's his mechanic. Tony's his life coach. He's his <laughs> trainer. He's everything. Yeah, that's and, awesome. Uh, you know what? In a way, I can I can really like that because it's kind of, with Ferry and Way, you know, it was just me and them, right? And and uh, I didn't even have a manager, but that's really cool. I, I like that. That's awesome. And the biggest thing I'll say for those two is where I've, I've told a few people this, like what I can take, if you could take anything from what Cody and Tony have done this year, mm-hmm. they're a prime example of what happens when you focus on yourself and not anybody else, not anybody else's, any what anybody else at the track is doing that yep, day, yep. what anybody else's rhythm is doing, what anyone else has in mind lap times they come in with a plan every single day whether it's practice whether it's off the bike whether qualifying they have a plan they try to stick to it and they execute it they don't let anything else get in the way and they just use them they build and they build and they build you know during the week he was never the fastest guy at test track he had good days don't mm-hmm. get me wrong like most guys he had days where he was really impressive but he was never never trying to send it to be the best guy out there they had a plan they, you know, what they need to improve on, what they need to work on, and they did it. And I mean, you guys, uh, I think you guys, Joe, a few times call him the shocker of the series. I mean, yeah, he is as much as I love him to death. Yes, Salt Lake was a little rough <laughs> at times, and I think he's, you know, with everybody in the, in the field that's coming off the previous year, he's made the biggest improvement. Well, you know what's and, cool is is sorry to interrupt you, but you know what's cool is you. You've always been stoked on this kid, even when I didn't really know who the hell he was. I know he'd put some good outdoor rides in here or there for Pulp Mix fantasy purposes, and I didn't know anything about him. And then you get him and you hire him, and, and then you, you, you're talking about him and you're loving him. And I got to be honest, at some point I'm probably like, does this fucking kid pay for a ride with Michael Lindsay? Or what's, like, what's going on with this guy, right? He's living with you, I think, at some point or whatever. Um, you've always been a supporter of him and helped him out, and it's so it's got to be rewarding for you to see his success because – Man, you've you've believed in this kid when he had broken wrists or whatever before then, you know. So that's cool. I like that part where because I'm sure a lot of people like me were like, "What the hell is Michael Lindsay doing with this guy?" 
Yeah, and that's where, once again, I'm proud of like him and Tony particularly because, um, you know, the person who came and approached me about him was uh, Kenny Day. Right yep. when we had, um, what was it? Uh, Walker wasn't going to do Supercross. We were unsure if, one day, if uh, Starling was, I think, going to be able to start a season or back or something. And um, K-Day came to me and was just like, hey, if, if you need another guy on a bike, I know this kid. I've grown up around him. Um, and like I said, him and Archer are close. I'm like, you've got to meet him. And I was kind of like, I'll be honest, first time I met, I was like, oh, okay, yeah, we yeah. kind of need somebody. Like, I'll, I'll take K-Day up on this. And then met the kid, hung out with him only a couple times this race, but just being around him learning about his family and everything. Mm-hmm. I was just super impressed where he's come from. And then, like I said, I'm proud of him, but that's where I give a lot of credit even more to Tony. Yeah. Tony's known him lo- way longer than I have and has believed in him in a long, long time. So I'm super stoked for both of them mm-hmm. because those two have poured their heart and soul into this off season. Like I said, he's his trainer yeah. and takes care of everything. Those two eat, breathe, sleep it every day together. They get up and run together <laughs> cool. in the mornings. They hit the gym together. Tony gets up early, does the gym work with him, does the runs with him. They work out together, and then comes and gets the bike prepped. And then he takes, like, you know, That's the, awesome. so they, they yeah. both, you know, coach on track, but a huge credit to both of them. And I, then, I, I did a yeah. podcast with him last year, and he was a, seemed like a really nice kid. Seemed really cool. Yeah. yeah. You know, so that's good. Yeah, Cody Shock, he's eight, ninth in points right now. And also, I like how, like, he's basically a rookie. You know, he doesn't have a lot of experience. He's had to go to three LCQs, I think. Two or three? Three? Ah, shoot. I got to count. I think maybe maybe three. So he went okay. to Orlando and what, one in Dallas or two? Jeez, even I can't remember. I think it's two, maybe three. Okay, but I like how, like, he's like, <laughs> hey, I'm getting it done. Like no matter where he is on the gate, or like you know what I mean, he'll he'll win. Or while yeah. Munoz decided to go after him in that one race, but um, for the most part, he's gotten it done when he needs to, which tells me that pressure doesn't bug the kid too much, you know. So no, he's he's a you know everybody says web like Cody's a gamer. He gets better as the day goes on. He's yep. better in long runs. I'll be honest, the kid sucks at sprints. We tease him all the time during the week if mm-hmm. he tries to do one or two lappers. He gets worse. You, do sprints. <laughs> you throw him in a twenty. You throw him in a twenty lap, like a fifteen minute moto. He gets better. He oh, sets yeah. his best lap times during the week in long runs. Never on sprints. Mm-hmm. He's a gamer. When you when it's like I said, he's not much of a stopwatch. Not he's got a wild style when he wants to. So yeah. I could say like he, he likes to show off, but he doesn't put it down for show. He puts it down when it's time and it means something. Right. Um. And you hired Pedro, uh, who's, who was J-Mart's guy for his championship years. He was at Geico for a little bit, uh, doing motors, I think, at some point. Uh, what's he been like for your program? Good. Him and Carson, like, it's kind of weird because, like, I live – I mean, Tony and Cody live really close to me. We came out. We were a little bit closer, so there's a little bit different dynamic, I will say, between them. Like, ours is more family. Me and Pedro and Carson's is maybe a little more work-related. Mm-hmm. Slowly all kind of getting closer, of course. But um, he's been really solid. He's – been there done it dealt with it you know um, yep. i never have to question anything like i said between him and Tony, both that's one of the best things just never having to question a single thing on what's going on with their their bikes their technical program anything like that uh it's 100 confidence so it's wonderful to have for both those guys it's it's a huge step over where we were last year and it's you know of course yep. a lot of our big teams it's a norm for them to have people that experience but it's it's awesome for us to have just quality caliber guys uh doing the job doing they've done the grind and dealt with every aspect of it from you know pedro's been on on teams of this more the size or nature before back when mm-hmm. it was like with alan brown and stuff like that he's been star been at geico so he's been across the range right so he's he's seen it and lived it yeah last year you told me that one of the things that you didn't realize about owning a team 
is all the personalities of the mechanics and the truck driver and, and yourself and like you know there's always somebody complaining somebody angry somebody happy somebody like you know what i mean we're all yes. human beings right um and that's one of the things that you said you didn't really think about but uh, hopefully that's going better for you ml it's love and just based on how race days goes everybody goes through the range of emotions so sometimes you just you play the buffer a little bit and that's still definitely the hardest part because i'm not an assertive person by nature mm-hmm. um i'm not usually shut down so i usually if somebody's having a bad day i take it more personally so right. sometimes trying to remember to manage you know be the buffer uh sometimes is yep. a little harder than it should be but it's important to not let any of those personalities override each other or anything try to buffer them and try to keep it in the sense like manage it all right as yep. the job implies yeah yeah absolutely right that's a big part of it like you said max's tires a ray michael using max's tires to, to uh go out there and, and slam Cade clayson at dallas three so jesus i i'm waiting for round two on this <laughs> what are we calling round two or round three now? Uh, yeah okay. I, well it depends if you count daytona last year which Cade said that was payback for payback for at dallas two I, I don't know who knows he he had no rear brakes at dallas two and then this week uh, his bike broke again in practice and in the main event, so I don't even know. ML. Have we gone to the bottom of this yet? Like, what in the heck? I think we, I think we did get to the bottom of it. I th- we think he uses his clutch and his rear brake and then holds his throttle, and that's so that's a, an issue with his motorcycle. He's doing all at once. He's not braking. And, and here's He's, the thing: yeah. everybody, everybody I know hammers him on the way he rides the bike. I'm sorry, I can't. I'm starting to feel less sorry for him that he just can't ride a motorcycle like a normal person. Luckily, he's got Max's tires. Maxis.com, mountain bike tires, MXSTs developed by McGrath, used by A-Ray and Rod Bell and Jeremy Smith and Jordan Jarvis over there at SGB Maxis Kawasaki. So please check those guys out, whether it's light truck tires, whether it's uh, uh, mountain bike tires, dirt bike tires, they got you covered at Maxis. So thank you to Maxis for coming on board. The FXR Racing Race Tech Suspension Privateer Island Life Podcast. You had to move away from Race Tech uh, this year, Michael, but they've certainly done a lot for you, and you love those guys down there. Yeah, that was a, a tough call. It was an interesting one because everybody knows my background. Well, I shouldn't say everybody. Anybody who probably listens to the podcast or listens to my battle stuff knew that I had uh, uh, my first real job mm-hmm. when I quit chasing the dream myself was I had worked at Enzo and with KYB and Ross. And last year when we started the team, I also have a great relationship with Rob and Paul and Checkers and all those guys. And um, at the time, we had Robin and Blos. They both had that connection. I didn't want to interfere with that, and I had a great relationship. So I was like, "Hey, we can we can do this." Um, after the first year, I just, you know, I wanted to, in a sense, return home, and that was a, a hard call to make. But you know, called Robin pretty much, so I'm like, "Hey, like, you know, I can't imagine myself doing the racing thing and mm-hmm. not working with where I'm, you know, basically where I'm from, which they were super cool with. Also, understanding like, "Hey, we need, you know, it's all like we need, we're trying to take another step more." more testing time, more service time. You know, they really focus on the privateers, on the customer. Um, Ross loves to do the racing thing more. So it all worked out. Definitely bummed, but they were super supportive. And actually, it's funny, is uh, even with all, all the uh, one of their, their guys that's in their engine department now, Matt, we, I helped him, me and Flo's helped him get his job there. He <laughs> Bill, missed the million. And now he lives with me and works at Racetech every day. So Nice, nice. Good good to hear. So. Pulp 21 is a code to save with Racetech. Mention Pulp MX. Get some springs for your bike. Uh, get the oil change. Uh, Michael knows all too well about getting bushings in your oil change and your seals once in a while. I mean, probably people who are listening to this never, they're probably riding stock oil in their yeah, suspension. I know how many forks I've taken apart and it's just black sludge. I know. You're just like, I mean, you're just like, God, people don't ever think about it. Like, get your bike looked after, people. 
um, and, and get it working better. So um, please, thanks to those guys as well for coming on board with us on the FXR Racing Race Tech Suspension Privateer Island Life Podcast. Um, all right. Well, uh, anything else? Did we cover everything? You're looking forward to the, uh, the, the two off weekends, and then we are uh, back at it in Atlanta for three, one salt, and then two Salt Lake, right? Yeah, but we'll only, so we're only, as West, we only race the second Salt Lake. So Max Hyde, because Atlanta definitely looks like it's going to be, you know, even faster of a layout than Daytona. Mm-hmm. Um, Cody's more of an outdoor guy. He did really good there. Carson's around some outdoors this week, and I, I think it'll be good for him. It's been a little bit of a definitely change up this week because we've got Cody's testing 450. Because when we go outdoors, actually Carson will race a 250, and Cody's gonna race a 450. Oh, outdoors. I didn't know that. Oh, okay. Yep. Yeah. So uh, got got one of those really rare, hard to find 21 450s that Cody's on right now, getting yeah. ready. Um, so yeah, just get ready for those two to do outdoors each in a different class. Can be interesting. Yeah, that's will be a little spread gonna, on the day. Yeah, yeah. You're you're asking for trouble, man. <laughs> I, I, the way we look at it, so our main theory, I'll be honest, Bonnie, is like Cody. Cody's done really good on the 450 outdoors, based on what he did, Paul. Like I think, like with actual testing time and a proper program, he is capable of doing that again. All see, like pretty close throughout the season. Yes, of course, when we get to the first round, the gate will be pretty full, but um, I think it'll be good for him. We kind of talked about like I don't know, you know, never say never. I don't know if we'll ever have Cody ride a 250 outdoors. I think yep. as long as with team, like he likes the 450. Mm-hmm kind of throw it back to the TLD days where they always had a guy do it. And I think he's, you know, Cody's a little bit, he's 20, he's 22. Um, maybe not as young as some people might think. So it's like, yeah, you know, his, his career eventually will head that direction. Um, it also helps us free up because we have a lot of engines in rotation for the two fifties for supercross. So it kind of gives us some extra resources sure. for Carson. Cause we all know outdoors is going to be hard on stuff. I mean, it puts us in a position where we have so much, like, so much stuff in rotation on the two fifty side that, we don't have to overnight stuff. Say we have a, a motor that needs to go in for service. We've got enough of them. One will mm-hmm. be, you know, they'll be playing on the truck, one in transit, one yeah. in the shop, one coming back. So we're not as, as stressed and freaked out where if we have two, because, I mean, we all know it's one bad mud race like Lorette, one <laughs> race like Lorette's last year. And, yeah. oh, thank God there goes half your, your fleet of engines yeah. really quick. And, um, and how nice is it having two weeks off after after Salt Lake, the final Salt Lake, too? That's going to be really good. Oh, dude, it's uh, three. Three. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's yep. the longest span we've had because it's uh, final Supercross is May 1st, and the first outdoors is May 31st. I think that's the biggest, what, span between Supercross and outdoors probably in the last 15 or 20 years or maybe, something. Maybe longer, as long as I can remember for sure. I'm, I'm looking at I'm looking at going to Cabo. I'm like, yeah, sweet, there'll be time. I can just go to Cabo. <laughs> So. Oh, what are you saying? Less less podcasts this year? Just yeah. Just back well, I'm like, look, less. three weeks. I got time to squeeze in a trip to Cabo in there. I think somewhere. Uh, get out, get the hell out of this for the first time in over a year. So, um, well, cool, man. Um, thanks for talking to me. I appreciate it. Good luck with uh, Mumphy and uh, and Shock going forward uh, with the FXR Chaparral Honda team. Uh, enjoy the time off. You deserve it. Uh, and uh, I'm sure I will. I will probably see you in. Uh, Atlanta, thanks for storing the uh, taser for me, that Dallas uh, 2 there. Dude, you know what freaked me out is I went back to the van afterwards, and I remember you said you were going to come back and get it. Yeah. But I still – I went to the truck after the 250, man, I opened it. I'm like, okay, the chip tooth handlebars in here because I had, I had yeah. the Paul's uh, pa- yeah, chip, pa- yeah. Chase Sexton tooth handlebar. Right. I'm like, the handlebar's still here. Taser's not. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, minor freak. I was like, yeah. should I text him? Nah, nah, he got it. I got it. Yeah, I, I got it. Don't worry about that. But Paul was like, what do I do with these? I'm like, yeah, Michael Lindsay's got my taser. Go ahead. put He'll, he'll store those too. do Don't worry. 
Yeah, yeah. Dude, that's still so funny. That handlebar with a big old mark in it from Sexton's tooth. I know. It's crazy, right? Uh, well, cool, man. Uh, thanks for the time, Michael. I appreciate it as always. Thanks to our sponsors, uh, FXR Race Tech, Firepower, Maxis, Roost, and Namira on here as well. Uh, so uh, I really appreciate those companies. Use the codes to save. Thanks, buddy. Cool. Thanks.